0: This is it was a thing on TV.
1: Total Red Man has
0: ever done something like this to me. It's uh a-
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I give you The Dregs of
2: Humanity. Episode 302, submission 2117. Teachers only. Teachers Only aired on the NBC television network from April 14, 1982 to May 14, 1983 for 21 episodes over two seasons.
0: What you're going to hear is the first season opening theme because between season one and season two, they did like a giant revamp of people on the show and there was a whole new theme song And we'll talk about that once we get into season two proper. For now, like I said, enjoy the first season uh, opening.
2: Of Mike, I forgot what the video game was, but the background. Oh wait, it was it was. I think it was the background music for Kirby's Dreamland. It's like.
0: I will take your word for it. Believe it or not, I have never played a single Kirby game. What? Did Chico okay. leave? No, no, I'm here. Okay, you're you're just an absolute shock that I've i I'm an absolute shock.
2: I mean, Kirby is a classic. How could you not have played that?
0: Nah, I think uh, the initial Kirby game was a little after my video gaming time as a teenager. Wow, I, I, I'm more of a, a Mario person, and uh, Kirby, I think it just falls outside my range because I really didn't have a. I'm guessing it was an uh, on SNES to begin with. What? Okay. What system was it originally on? Was it on NES?
2: Oh uh, no! Uh, Kirby Dreamlands was on Game Boy.
0: Okay. Well, I had the Game Boy, but I, I, I was not into that series at that point. So, well, oops. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm just... sure
2: you know what. I'm sure that there's like a Kirby All Stars collection out there. We're gonna get you a copy. We're gonna get you the system it's on, and we're gonna hook you up, man.
0: Well, that may not be necessary. Isn't one of the Kirby games on the SNES Classic? Yes. Okay, I've got an SNES Classic. I just need to plug in the cables to the TV and I'll be all
2: set. So do I. But first I need to clean out the bit in front of my television set. It's a bit sloppy. But we're not here to talk about Kirby. We're here to talk about the sort of fork of the road where two television legends meet. Our first story has to deal with Lynn Redgrave, who, in the late 70s, early 80s, would have been on a TV show called House Calls on CBS. She was on that show for two seasons before she was unceremoniously fired for, and now this is from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, Breastfeeding her newborn son at work while the network claimed it was a budget dispute. Her then-husband manager said... Was it a budget dispute or breastfeeding? The answer? Yes.
0: Why not both?
2: Porque no los dos? Yay! <laughs> oh, hold
1: on. Do you know who replaced Lynn Redgrave on House Calls?
0: I'm looking at it and... I'm looking at it, too. Mike? Boy, good thing that Turnabout didn't last more than six episodes. Say it!
2: Sharon Gless.
0: Yeah, Sharon Gless.
1: Do you think she smoked a cigar on this, too? Like in the promo? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like in the promo
2: drawing? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just thinking to myself, the folks behind... Cagney and Lacey had to wait for house calls to go belly up before they could replace Meg Foster with Sharon Glass.
1: And they had remember, they had to negotiate with Universal because remember she was under contract to Universal.
2: Yep.
0: We talked about all this on the Turnabout episode. I apologize in advance.
1: <laughs> hey, we had to cover it for Shekapalooza, so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But hey, at least we got Holmes and Yo-Yo. Me, did. Oh, since we mentioned John, let's just play it right here.
2: Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous!
1: <laughs> Don't worry, John. Me and Chico will be discussing your movie in a few months. Now that never gets old. No. Right? Hey, he was right. As we'll find out, Chico in Star Trek Three. He had a point. He did
2: have a point.
0: So you mentioned one of the uh, legends whose path crossed in this uh, television show. Who is the other one?
2: The other one was Norman Fell, who had a falling out with his network, ABC, over being jettisoned from Three's Company to the Ropers. All of this was talked about in previous entry, The Ropers. Duh! Their roads would converge as NBC and Carson Productions were both producing and distributing this series, which is basically a behind-the-veil look at the lives of teachers.
0: Or at least a behind-the-veil look of teachers... In 1982 and 83, because I guarantee teaching in 1982 is nowhere near what teaching is in 2002. Even in like the 17 years, 18 years I've been in the classroom, there's been a ton of changes. So I can only imagine how this might look nowadays. Well, actually, if you want to know how this might look nowadays, as I said at the end of episode 300, Go watch Abbott Elementary. That is so true to form. It is a brilliant TV show. All my teacher, friends, and coworkers love that show. And that's an endorsement from this podcast. I'm speaking for all three of us. I don't care if Chico and Greg have never seen it. This is an endorsement for Abbott Elementary.
1: Now it's not an endorsement from me. It's my... <laughs> so. You know what? I watched an episode. Love it. I haven't seen it so I can't comment so
0: majority rules it's endorsed
2: this has been an endorsement go
0: I'm the go! third I'm
1: hold on I'm the equivalent of the third dentist who doesn't agree
0: <laughs> you're the dentist who doesn't give a shit just wants kids kids to eat whatever crap they want and you're sitting there smoking I don't care about health <laughs>
2: But yes, this was a behind-the-veil look at teachers at Millard Fillmore High School, created by another television veteran, Aaron Rubin, who worked on such shows as The Andy Griffith Show, Gomer Pyle, and Sanford and Son. His most recent endeavor, The Stocker Channing Show, that just did not work out well for him, did it? No, not really. But Aaron Rubin brought his writers over to the show. And I'll tell you right now, the team of writers is pretty stacked. I mean, you have George Yannick, who I believe worked on Welcome Back, Cotter. April Kelly, who would go on to create Boy Meets World with Michael Jacobs. And Larry Rosen and Larry Tucker, the writing team behind previous entry, Jennifer Slept Here, among others. So, we have a bunch of talented writers, the production backing of Johnny Carson, and NBC in 1982, which I believe would just be... Would this be the Grant Tinker era, I want to say?
1: Yeah, I think 82, 83 would be the last year of Grant Tinker.
2: Okay, So, sowing the seeds for Brandon Tartikoff, setting the stage, if you will, it seems like it should have a lot of promise, right?
0: Potentially, yeah.
2: Because we have Lynn Redgrave and Norman Fell leading an ensemble cast that has, well, one known commodity that we would know. In the future, right now. In fact, let's go ahead and talk about him and everybody else here. Lynn Redgrave plays Diana Swanson, a British-English teacher who exudes an air of dignified sophistication without condescension. She's a warm people person who takes a hands-on approach, not only with her pupils, but in all of her endeavors. Think of her as Haley Mills' character in Good Morning, Miss Bliss.
1: Oh, And we'll be talking about that soon.
2: But the thing of it is, she's divorced and hasn't had much of a love life because of her teaching career. But she does have the occasional dates. Also like Miss Bliss in Good Morning Miss Bliss.
0: Sadly, also like me. As much as I hate to admit that.
2: Hold
1: on. Sadly like you. So hold on, Mike. Is there a janitor at your school who thinks that potatoes are the food of the 90s? What if I said yes? I'd be like, that's amazing. Oh, dear. Hey, Chico, what can you do with potatoes?
2: We can boil them, bake them, fry them. flame. They're the food of the 90s. Norman Fowle plays Ben Cooper, who's good with numbers. He's the principal who's good with numbers, having worked his way up from being a math teacher. Mr. Cooper prefers to keep the faculty at arm's length to make it less difficult in the instance where he has to act as a superior. At home, he has a nagging wife to contend with and there are indications that he's attracted to Diana, who outright admits her attraction to him, to the other teachers.
0: Woohoo Oh, that'll get you written up nowadays.
2: Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, Norman Fell had to have been at least 20 years older than Lynn Redgrave at least
0: to answer your question Chico about was Norman fell 20 years older than Lynn Redgrave in real life close 19 years no off by one now they're the only two cast members who were around for both seasons because as I mentioned earlier there was a huge revamp after the first season not just characters But as I mentioned earlier, totally different theme song done by the Commodores. We'll talk about that later. In season one, you had uh, playing Michael Dreyfus Adam Arkin.
2: He would be uh, the son of famed thespian Alan Arkin, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Almost like acting royalty right there between the two of them, Adam Arkin and Alan Arkin.
1: Yeah. And of course, Adam Markin was on Chicago Hope. Can't forget yeah. about Chicago Hope. Yeah. Nope.
0: A, a very well known name. And uh, Michael Dreyfus, he was a five year veteran at uh, Millard Fillmore School. And he was a science teacher, a dorky science teacher. Aren't most science teachers dorky? Yeah. Like, yes. that, like the science teacher on Stranger Things, he's dorky. I'm he talking incredibly- about it in real life. I'm just thinking of the science teachers that I know, that I've worked with. They're either eccentric or dorky or some combination therein.
2: I remember my eighth grade science teacher, Eric Yeckley. He was incredibly dorky. He looks like a fat, weird Al Yankovic.
0: Oh, yeah, he's fat. He's <laughs> fat. Oh, never mind. No, no, let's make, no, uh, no, because I mentioned
1: this. Tr- no, hold on. I was going to say, since I mentioned the science teacher from Stranger Things, did he have, like, a thing where whenever he showed up, weird as my bologna was playing? (laughs) Remember that in, (laughs) like, season two or three?
2: I do. That was so great. All right. Playing Gwen Edwards is Vanessa Clark, and Gwen Edwards is a French teacher who thrives by spouting off quips en français. Virtually nothing else is revealed about her as a person over the course of the season. She basically functioned as the token African-American teacher. And she had three credits in her career. This show, Hill Street Blues, and something called Wendy Hooper U.S. Army, which was a TV movie. Next, as Mr. Brody, is Norman Barthold, who's the vice-principal and unrepentant suck-up. Brody the Tony has held his position since the early 1960s. He believes in traditional values, he's petty, he's pompous, he's persnickety, and he still lives with his mother and is married to his job. One of his few responsibilities is creating staff questionnaires And he's prolific at it, which aggravates the entire faculty. Norman Bartold, sadly, no longer with us. But you would probably remember him as one of the Ohio Tolls in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And also as the medieval knight in the original 1975 Westworld. But Greg... He played Mr. Endicott in the High Society episode of Perfect Strangers.
1: Oh, yes. The High Society episode of Perfect Strangers. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Since, wait, Chico, did you see episode two of She-Hulk yet? Not yet. Okay, well, I don't want to say anything about that. We'll wait until next week to... I'm still getting over having
2: my mind blown at the end of episode one.
1: Oh, yeah, where we found out. That Steve Rogers basically hold on. I don't think we even talked about this part, but Uh,
2: yeah, we did. We played
1: the club. I know, but we didn't talk about this thing that changes everything. Steve Rogers banged Peter Quill's grandma because, okay. The actress who played the, um, The person from the USO tour, who it's implied now that Steve had sex with, that actress also played Peter Quill's mom in Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think James Gunn has confirmed it's that character's mother.
2: James Gunn, you dirty dog.
1: So yeah, that changes everything. Steve Rogers had sex with Star Lord's Grandmother. (laughs)
2: <laughs> CAPTAIN AMERICA! <laughs> Playing Mr. Papco is Richard Karen, and Mr. Papco is the janitor who's an oddball who does as little work as possible, lurks in the background, ready to interject something bizarre or profound into a conversation. He played Morris in the 1983 season of Webster as a recurring...
0: Okay, so that'd be the first season. We talked about that last week when we talked about the ABC shows that survived or didn't survive past uh, the eighty-three, eighty-four season.
1: Yeah, and since we mentioned Webster, we might as well play this clip from Family
2: Guy. The category is actor and show, so we need five consonants and a vowel. Uh, okay, um, Z, 4,
0: Q, Another cue, uh, a third cue,
2: and the Batman symbol. Okay, no help there. Um, Fifteen seconds, if you want to take a shot at it, talk it out. Is it Alex Karras in Webster? I don't believe it. Oh my
0: god, I just took a shot in the deck! Holy
2: crap! And rounding out the cast is Kit McDonough, who plays Lois... The school secretary, who's a busybody with her finger on the pulse of the latest gossip. In her personal life, she's constantly on the hunt for Mr. Wright.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of school secretaries I've worked with.
2: And Kit McDonough was in the entire run of Fast Times, which was, of course, the TV version of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That was another one of those shows where it's like, nobody. Not a single person. Not a living soul. Television writer. Hey, let's do a TV version of Fast Times at Richmond High.
0: She was also on a 1996 episode of Wings.
2: And as we revealed in episode 300, Greg rather likes Wings.
1: Yeah, we went first time ever. Can you believe that was two episodes, guys?
2: That Did you two, believe it I, was one week ago today? One week ago! Day and date, one week, Greg, for the first time, admitted to the world, he loves wings.
1: I know. It's hard to believe. Future historians will remember August 19th, 2022, the day I announced I loved wings.
0: Uh it is actually Saturday, so it's August 20th, but whatever.
2: So...
1: They don't, oh, okay, August 20th, yeah, because I was, whatever, August 19th, August 20th, same thing.
2: That, 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 yeah, well, yeah.
1: You know, that's like one of my things, ah, whatever, this, that, same thing.
2: (laughs) You sound like my father, no. Eight episodes were given a trial run in April and May of 1982. And they did well enough that NBC sort of ran it for mid-season in 1983 for a full-ish episode of another 13 episodes. But not without extensive retooling, which we will talk about when we get there. But right now, let's talk about Season 1. Episode 1. Diana, substitute mother. Diana comes to the realization that her star student is troubled, but the situation escalates when the girl becomes a runaway. Also, Diana gives into a flirtation with her neighbor and agrees to a date. Woo-hoo! But playing the role of the uh, troubled, aggrieved runaway, Ginger Peterson, is Cindy Fisher. She didn't do much. She was a that girl from that thing. She was in an episode of The Incredible Hulk, Greg. And she was also in the... Oh, she played an uncredited role in Airplane 2, the sequel, as the I-don't-want-to-sound-forward person.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you'd also know that Art Fleming and Pat C. Jack were in Airplane 2, right? Yes. Yes. And also I think Bob Costas has a boy, oh you're a missing cameo in
2: airplane two.
1: Man that's, it, <laughs> That was
2: <laughs> And that's really all you need to know about Airplane Two. Because well, it was terrible.
1: You think it was terrible. Okay, hold on a second. Since you mentioned the incredible Hulk, I have to do this. <laughs> I'm doing the flex pose. He's doing you.
2: the he's doing the loop rig, though flex like
0: Oh, oh! You
2: have to grit your teeth together, son.
0: Oh!
1: I don't know if you guys know this, but I lost a tooth like two weeks ago, so I can't grit all my teeth together.
0: Like
2: oh. gotta be angry man (laughs) okay episode two the dreyfus affair in a malicious attempt to get a passing grade victoria entraps michael and accuses him of being a sexual predator michael refuses to defend himself so diana gets to the bottom of things also mr brody pushes for a school dress code because of course he does we have a name.
0: We have a sort of big name from the 80s, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Playing the role of Victoria, Heidi Bohe.
1: From Hotel.
2: Yep. She would be the student who's trying to sleep her way to a passing grade, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah, more or less. She's trying to entrap uh, the, the science teacher. Yeah because clearly she's not good at science. (laughs) Heidi Bohe is clearly more uh, prepared to be working in a hotel than working in a chemistry lab.
2: I see what you did.
0: Yeah. It was a natural transition. But, of course, we know Heidi Bohe. Good heavens. What game did she not play in the 80s? She was on Pyramid, it seemed quite a bit. She was on Mass Game Hollywood Squares for
2: a week. She was on the new Hollywood Squares.
1: Yes, she was. The new Hollywood Squares with, who's that shadow?
0: John Davidson! (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. No, Greg, do it right. John John Davidson!
2: Oh, gosh. I need a drink after oh, that. okay. Water. Oh, guys, 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 guys. John Hold Davidson! Hold on a second.
1: Let me combine
2: it. John uh-huh. Davidson! <laughs> <laughs> <I did Like laughs> doing the flex and the Shadow Stevens. Okay.
0: Hold on a second. I think we need to ask an expert how it's done. Shadow? John okay, we were close, guys, but... I think this guy nailed that, it. That guy has his beat. He's a ringer. He's federated. <laughs> I get it. Was I the only one to get it?
2: Yeah, no, you were Chico not the got only one. got it. I totally okay. got it. Okay. Episode 3. Cooper's Grab for Gusto. Following the death of a friend, Mr. Cooper worries about his own mortality. Also, Mr. Cooper tells Mr. Brody... That he could have more responsibility. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. This could only go one way, which is absolutely horribly. Brody gets right to work implementing changes at school. Again, this could only go one way. Absolutely horribly. By the way, we do have a name in this episode. Playing a doctor... Bill Zuckert, who was an old man in Naked Gun 33 III, Mr. Finkel, Ray Finkel's father in Ace Ventura Pet Detective.
1: Oh, hold on. yeah. can we just, can he come here for a second to reveal the big twist in Ace Ventura? Spot lot,
0: spot lot, spot lot.
1: Sean Young is Ray Finkel.
2: Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Einhorn Is a man, but he also played three different police officers in three different stories of the wonderful world of Disney, Greg.
1: Oh, I know you are a
2: low key Disney fan.
1: Oh, I'm a big fan of the wonderful or the Disney Sunday movie. Wonderful world of Disney. Late 80s, early 90s era. Yeah,
2: you are. You are a fan of the Walt Disney anthology series, whatever they're calling it. Uh, He was in The Sky's the Limit in 1975, Strange Monster of Strawberry Cove in 1971, and The Wacky Zoo of Morgan City in 1970.
1: The second, hold on, the second mention on this podcast of The Wacky Zoo of Morgan City. Is that on YouTube? I'm looking it up. The Wacky uh, Zoo. Why on... isn't
2: Why isn't the Walt Disney anthology series on Disney Plus? I wonder.
1: I don't why? know. Oh, yeah, because the Return of the Shaggy Dog sure isn't on Disney Plus.
2: What on... the hell, Disney?
1: Okay, the Wacky Zoo of Morgan City is on YouTube. Okay, good.
2: Episode four. Quote unquote. The Parent Teacher Association accuses Diana of undermining the moral fiber of their children, and the media descends when the school's young literary journalists twist Diana's words to make it seem that she condones premarital sex. Uh-oh! <laughs>
1: well, I agree, Susan. It's a very hot-button topic in 1982.
2: Yeah, especially when one of your staff mates is a prude. Couple names on this episode. Amanda West plays Amy Kelly. She was that teenage girl in that 80s movie because she was in Nightmare on Elm Street and Fast Times at Richmond High. And then as Jeremy Stewart, you have Timothy Patrick Murphy, who is best known as Mickey Trotter on the 82 season of Dallas. Hey, look. We mentioned Dallas on the podcast that it isn't actively killing a TV show.
1: Hey, it's the second week in a row we've mentioned Dallas because we mentioned Sue Ellen last week. Yep. Spoiler alert! Spoiler
2: it. Mary Crosby put the bullet in J.R. Ewing's body! Episode 5, The Makeup Test. Diana refuses to give a makeup test to Jeff, an unrepentant Slacker. Slacker. So his rich father goes over her head. This infuriates Diana and leads Jeff to confess self-sabotage to his dad. Meanwhile, Michael's classroom is looted. Now, a fun fact. This is your neato fact of the day here. This was actually the first episode shot. Oh, neat. Another fun fact. Playing the role of Slacker Jeff. Someone who knows a little bit about slacking off in the 80s, Michael J. Fox. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker.
0: Two principal Strickland sound bites in two minutes.
2: Oh, yeah. We have two more names in this episode. Playing Mr. Clayton, his father, Dana Elkar. Of course, this was before he would be famous for MacGyver. Yes, because he was Pete on MacGyver. And played Coach Bowers, Howard Platt. Yeah, From a previous entry, Flying High.
0: Yeah, we talked about him on Flying High. Uh, I think he's best known playing uh, Officer Hopkins, known as Hoppy, on Sanford and Son. Correct. He, he, he was the partner of Hal Williams.
2: Episode six I've got a crush on you, Greg the star football quarterback falls for Diana during their tutoring sessions. And jealousy jealousy puts his future in jeopardy when Michael tries to intervene. Uh, Playing the role of said football player is Michael Spound, who would go on to future fame as one of the cast members, along with Heidi Bohe, who we already talked about on this episode. Of Hotel.
1: And really, come on. We love Hotel. James Brolin, Connie Selica. come on.
2: It made Sherry Belafonte Harper's career. Oh, it definitely. No, did. it made
0: Nathan Cook's career. Let's get it right.
1: Okay, yeah, it did. Make can H- also
2: does, Mike?
1: it did make Nathan Cook's career. You are right about that. Thank you.
2: Episode 7, The Once and Future Teacher. Bogged down with paperwork and meetings, the retirement of an elder co-worker prompts Diana to toy with the notion of leaving the teaching profession. A couple of names in this episode. B.B. Osterwald played Miss Pritchard, who's just this incredible, incredible old-time Hollywood actress from the 50s and 60s. And we talked about her when she played Aunt Tilly in... Chris versus Donald on Get a Life.
0: Oh, season something that, as of the time we're recording this, this is going to be on the Decades Binge this weekend. She played Sophie Steinberg, who I believe is Bernie's mother in the series Bridget Loves Bernie.
1: Oh, Bridget Loves Bernie.
0: Oh, I can't wait to see that tomorrow. I've read so much about it, and I'm very intrigued about, uh, A, how good it is, but also I've seen why it got canceled. The social mores were different back in the early 70s than they are nowadays.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they were. I imagine that she is the one who is retiring because, I mean, look at her. She looks like she is ready to retire
0: Yeah, she would have been like 82 at the time this was done, so definitely retirement age.
2: Yeah, and the other name is a that guy from that thing, Arthur Rosenberg, who plays Mr. Fletcher. Now, he was in Hunter as Commander Lester Kane. But I only mention his name because he was in Captain America 2 Death Too Soon in 1979.
1: Is that one of the red-brown Captain America movies?
2: Yes, it is.
1: Oh, God. Uh, only another, like, 30 years or so before we get America's ass who bangs towards Granny. Captain America!
0: <laughs> I'm gonna throw out a third name. Okay. Playing an uncredited party guest in this episode is Bob Harks. The only reason I mention it is he was on three episodes of a show that we're going to cover. We just talked about it in 301. He played three different characters on three different episodes of I Had Three Wives. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Because remember, Victor Gorber
1: on that show had three wives.
0: But besides that, he like seemingly has been on like almost everything. He was on five different episodes of Mr. Merlin playing what appears to be four different roles, all uncredited. This guy is the master of the uncredited role. I'm taking a look at this. He is uncredited in everything. Everything wow. I'm looking at. I- I'm not even joking about this. Fantasy Island, uncredited. Lou Grant, 20 different episodes. And it looks like, let me see here. If this is all 20 of them, are all 20 episodes he was
2: uncredited on Lou Grant? What the heck? He is is the perennial that guy from that thing.
0: This is amazing. Everything he has listed in IMDb, he is uncredited. This is crazy. Police Woman, 19 episodes. And guess what? 19 episodes, he was uncredited. I got to see if this guy has a credit anywhere. This is crazy. This may be a first. Someone on
1: our show who doesn't have a single credit to his name. This guy must be the Moonlight
0: Graham of acting. I'm looking and, yeah, I'm going all the way back now to the early 70s and late 60s. Still, everything is uncredited. Uncredited, uncredited, uncredited. There's got to be a credit for him here. Hold on. No, I mean, I'm looking at everything is uncredited. Every last thing is uncredited. I don't know why he didn't want to take credit, but Bob Harks, you're getting credit here finally. That is amazing. I'm sorry. That That's, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. He did get credit for one role. <laughs>
2: Gee, which role is that now?
0: Actually, I'm sorry. Looks like he got credit for... A number of roles. All right, let me just double-check really fast. This is fascinating. From what I can see, he has been credited with exactly three roles. He played a priest in Flashdance, credited. He was credited as a priest in Flashdance. He was credited as a priest, again, in a 1990 movie called Sibling Rivalry. And he was also credited in Forrest Gump as a university dean. That looks
2: like the literally the only three roles where he got credits. And yet he is uncredited in so many other roles.
0: Uh, If you look at IMDB, it says he has 531 credits. 528 of them he was uncredited. Or at least not necessarily uh, roles, but movies or or, uh, titles. So, looking at IMDb, he was uncredited in 528 different titles of movies or TV shows. Credited in just three. That's crazy. Alright, guys,
1: I was googling the movie Sibling Rivalry because it sounded familiar to me. It was a 1990 black comedy film directed by Coral Reiner. Do you want to hear this cast? I do. We have... Christy Alley, Sam Elliott, Jamie Gertz, Bill Pullman, Carrie Fisher, and last,
0: but certainly not least, Scott Bakula. Greg, you're missing so many other names. I got to cover the the gaps that you have here. You forgot Ed O'Neill...
1: Ed O'Neill's, yeah, it wasn't listed on top of the cast in Google, but okay.
0: Bill Macy, Bill Bill Macy. Macy, Yeah. And and somebody we even talked about on episode 301, Patrick Cronin. Patrick Cronin. Oh,
1: I know we talked about this guy in the past, John Randolph, who was the original actor who played George Costanza's dad on Seinfeld. I know we've talked about him before in
2: the podcast. That is a loaded cast. Episode 8, and this would be the season finale. Guns and Butter. The school board is looking to make budget cuts, so they send in a humorless man who replaces Mr. Brody with a computer. (laughs) Playing said role, Hunter Hogan. George Weiner.
1: What's the matter, Colonel Sanders?
0: Chicken! I was just going to say, we've talked about him plenty. I think this is... At least the third or fourth time we've talked about him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the line right there from Spaceballs. And you know what?
1: Maybe making his case as a Hall of Fame candidate. He's a fringe candidate to say the least. Yes. He's one of those guys who will get, if he gets it, will probably get in like the 10th ballot.
0: He's on that sort of fringe ballot with Terry Kaiser. Maybe Terry Kaiser has a better chance, but.
1: Yeah, because he's Bernie.
0: Because he's Bernie, exactly. And we've talked about him on probably close to a half a dozen TV shows at this point.
2: And that is season one. Now, NBC gave this show another season, but they put it in mid-season. They only gave it 13 episodes, and the show itself overwent extensive retooling. In fact, there was a new theme song.
0: Yep, here it is. So not only did they have a new theme song, but literally everybody was replaced on the cast except for Lynn Redgrave and Norman Fell. So let's talk about those folks.
2: Wait, hold on. Time out. Who did the theme for this? Oh, the theme song was done by the Commodores. Yeah,
0: we mentioned that earlier.
2: So they expanded on the two characters who stayed from season one, Lynn Redgrave and Norman Fell. Uh, Diana Swanson was retooled as a guidance counselor who married a debonair grifter, built up the courage to leave him, and coerced a confession from him from the police. Her best friend is Sam, and she gradually becomes frenemies with Sherry, whose secret she keeps. She loves her students and fights for their well-being. So, again, expanding and enhancing on her season one character. She gets a promotion from teacher to guidance counselor, which makes sense. And Ben Cooper was rewritten as a World War II veteran, hardened by the life and death of his wife. So he has a nagging wife in season one, and in season two, his wife is dead. <laughs> Now, he and his secretary, Sherry, have been having an affair for years, but he's opted to keep his love hidden for fear that it will ruin their business reputations. He comes across as gruff, and his decisions aren't always popular. Okay, so he's moved on from Diana, then. Now, we talked about Sherry before, playing the role of Sherry in her first TV role, Jean Smart.
1: Of course this would be on twenty years before that bastard Charles Loken made her life hell on twenty-four.
2: And at least another five years before she made her career working with Dixie Carter and Delta Burke on deciding women. Shaga <laughs> Sherry's principal secretary and longtime mistress, the resident antagonist, who's shamelessly condescending and bitchy toward everyone. But she genuinely loves Mr. Cooper and softens towards Diana, who's her occasional confidant. Playing another science teacher named Michael, Michael Horn, not Michael Dreyfus, but Michael Horn, is Tim Reed. And really, If you don't know who Tim Reed is...
1: There's no helping. Really? Yeah. This would have been... Yeah, this would have been between WKRP and Simon and Simon for him. Oh, yeah. Because he didn't join the cast of Simon and Simon until after this.
0: Right. Yeah, this would be like, if you will, a gap year because WKRP ended in 1982 and Tim Reed didn't join Simon and Simon... Till I believe the uh sometime in the 83-84 season. Yeah. Because, yeah, he was on Match Game Hollywood Squares in 1984 and was promoted as being on Simon & Simon. So we're using a little bit of logic here, and also we're doing sort of a callback to Match Game Hollywood Squares at the same time. So, yeah, he had a, that little gap year between WKRP ending and joining Simon & Simon. There you go. Yep, second mention of... Match team houses, and I get
1: I hope he was on the new Hollywood Squares with. Wait, oh, who was that? He was.
2: Oh, he was, was, absolutely, he was. Yes.
1: Oh yeah, because they would have been yeah. Frank's place. Yeah, but hold on. Right. Hold on, Shadow. Who hosted the new Hollywood Squares again?
2: The Say it with your diaphragm, sir. <laughs>
0: Greg, did you find a running gag to start this fourth batch of 100 episodes?
1: Yes, we did. Oh, no. Oh! (laughs) We've created a
2: monster. Okay, so Michael Horn, science teacher, proclaimed to be the most beloved teacher by the entire student body, down to earth, loves technology, shows compassion for everyone he meets. He's basically Mike Klaus, if Mike Klaus was being a trap from WKRP in Cincinnati. Chico doesn't know me that well. (laughs) I think, you know what? I think you're a good chap. I think you're a good teacher. Chico doesn't know me that well. (laughs) Okay. Next, as Spud Laboon, the boys' gym coach, who's dim-witted but amiable, and who's best friends with Michael, Steve Ryan known as J. Walter Weatherman from Arrested Development.
0: And for clarification purposes, I think we need to state not the Steve Ryan known for creating blockbusters and uh, doing the artwork on Classic Concentration.
2: No, this is another Steve Ryan.
0: But it would be darn cool if he was on uh, this show. Yeah? Yeah, it would be really cool if he was on this show, but...
2: By the way, follow him on all social media at Steve Ryan Games. Tell him Chico sent you. Playing the role of Samantha Sam Keating, the English teacher who was Diana's successor and next door neighbor and best friend, Teresa Gansell.
0: What do we need to say about her? Oh, she is a sweetheart.
2: She's a darling.
0: And also, we did talk about her previously. On the Duck
2: Factory. Sam is sweet but shallow and obsessed with material possessions. Uh, now I guess we can play Is This Typecasting?
0: Don't typecast Teresa Gansel.
2: This has been Is This Typecasting?
0: What did I do? Did I just cancel Is This Typecasting? Because no, you that, just
2: answered the question.
0: Oh, no, I'm just saying it because Teresa Gansel a sweetheart.
2: Oh, she's a darling. I, we, she's, lo- we
0: love, we love, we love She's lovely. She's adorable. Absolutely.
2: I was I gonna say, it. I think you and me met her. I know I met
0: her. I got her autograph on an eight by ten. Yeah, we met her. Gosh, at this point, it would be 16 years ago uh, during one of the game show congresses. Yes. Because ah. she, she was at least uh, not a panelist. I think she was like the assistant to J. Keith Van Stratton uh, when he was doing his What's My Line uh, live stage show at the Games yes! Congress. Yeah, yes! Oh, yeah. yes! Yes! Uh, yes I'm yes. the
2: Keenan Thompson. Yes! And uh, rounding out the season two cast is uh, Barney Bettleman played by Joel Brooks. He's a music teacher, a love lord sad sack tech geek who's so concerned for his own safety that he's turned his apartment into a booby-trapped fortress.
1: And, of course, we've mentioned Joel Brooks on this podcast many times. But also, Mike, he was in that TV movie you brought up to me, Dinner at Eight with Lauren Bacall. We're
0: having a callback to Dinner at Eight? Oh, yes. my gosh. The things that happen on this podcast. Oh. But, but, of course, where you would know Joel Brooks from, he played Pyramid quite a bit. But also, he was on My Sister Sam, among other things. Yes.
2: And, and anybody who's ever seen My Sister Sam knows why we are never going to cover it. We do not have oh. to explain it, and oh, we are no. not going to. No,
0: no, 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 no. No, no. Well, no. I, I mean, it only lasted two seasons or so, but yeah. If you we know the story,
2: explain, we don't have to explain why we're not going to cover it.
0: If you know the story, there's your answer.
2: Yeah.
0: if you don't know the story...
2: Google it. We're not here to educate you.
0: Well, we can educate you, but I think it's best if you read up on the subject.
2: Yeah. So let's go over season two. Episode one, The Rose. After Diana rejects the advances of David who is now played by Alan Feinstein. She's overwhelmed by jealousy when he sends Sam a single red rose to ask her out. Also, Michael experiments with pheromones and electricity. That's different. Okay, playing a teacher and experiment volunteer, Renee Jacobs, who is actually... The Lady of the Maze in Season 1 of the Family Channel's Masters of the Maze, if you remember that.
0: Oh my god! Holy crap, that's That's a a, deep cut. That's a very deep cut. Oh my
1: god. Damn right it is. Who hosted Masters of the Maze? I
2: forget who. Season 1 was hosted by J.D. Roth and Season 2 was hosted by Mario Lopez.
1: Okay. I knew one of those two hosted.
2: No, they both hosted.
0: Oh jeez! Uh, okay, as a palate cleanser, let me give you another credit. She voiced April O'Neil on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Yes, the nineteen eighty seven Teenage nice. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, the that's OG. Right. Yes, the OG. The OG. Turtles Because we've already mentioned because Barry Gordon did a voice. I believe he voiced Donatello on the eighty seven TMNT. He did, but, but also Chico. You know who voiced Shredder on the eighty seven TMNT? Right, I do. Uncle
2: Phil himself,
1: James Avery. That's right. But also, we all know that in The License to Drive, James Avery, he loves his coffee. He does. He does. And don't mess with his coffee in The License to Drive, or make him tip it over, because he will not be happy.
2: Nope. He will mess with your beep. Oh, another name on this episode that we talked about uh, earlier in the podcast. Playing a handsome man. A Craig, handsome man! That's his credit. Handsome man. Craig Littler, who you remember as Jason on Jason of Star Command.
1: Oh, that's great.
2: Episode two, Cooper's Arrangement. Diana conspires with the rest of the faculty to find Mr. Oh, by the way, back up, back it up a bit. Among the other changes made in season two, the teachers are no longer at Millard Fillmore High; they are at Woodrow Wilson High. They Why?
0: Yeah, is that an upgrade? I don't know.
2: I guess Millard Fillmore is not a popular enough president, although it would, it would. Be incredibly popular a couple of years later with Head of the Class. Just saying.
0: Well, just imagine if this was rebooted nowadays; they'd be going to
2: Mister Black. Hi. Oh hell no!
1: Uh, they already had that. It was called
2: Mister Black
1: University, and
2: we all know what happened with that. Episode two: Cooper's Arrangement. Diana conspires with the rest of the faculty to find Mister Cooper a date but she discovers he's secretly in a relationship with Sherry! What? Meanwhile, after delegating responsibility to the teachers to paint over graffiti, Sherry becomes jealous when Michael is featured on TV. Well, look at him, he's freaking Tim Reed for crying out tears. Episode 3, Take This Job and Shove It. Sherry is miffed when Diana and Principal Cooper swap jobs. Also, Michael tries to figure out how to deal with the child who's being abused, and delinquent student Paunch steals everything that's not nailed down. Playing the role of Paunch is Roberto Roman, who's not really known for much. I mean, his longest-lasting credited role was as an officer on the new Adam-12, and that was only for six episodes. Episode 4 Praise the Lord and Pasta Ammunition. Vinny leads a student revolt, which finds the cafeteria barricaded and Diana locked in the kitchen with a quarreling Sherry and Principal Cooper. On the other side of the door, Michael and Sam fight for control as teachers are instructed to carry on with business as usual. Uh, Joel Brooks does not appear in this episode, but three names do appear on this episode playing the role of Vinny minetti is brian robbins who would gained later fame as a cast member on head of the class and later success in life as the head of programming at nickelodeon if i'm not mistaken
1: yes he's now the head of programming at nickelodeon but we don't talk about his other uh cast made on head of the class
0: I'm even getting creepy vibes about talking about him. Just
2: saying. Yeah. And play Julie Donna Wilkes who we talked about in one of our best episodes. Hello Larry. Hello Larry. Oh yeah,
1: and didn't we discover that she was in that stripper movie? Angel or whatever it was. Yes. Um, Honor student by day, stripper by night.
2: Yes, we did.
0: One more name uh, to add, playing Paulie in this episode is Mike Darnell. You don't know him as an actor, but he's been a TV executive for some time. And he was uh, the executive producer on several shows, including Mental Samurai, Love Connection, back in 2017, 2018, with Andy Cohen and Little Big Shots. And Moment of Truth, even. Oh, my gosh.
2: Yep. He was the king of reality television at Fox, and he spent 19 years there before moving to Waters to take a similar position there. Fun fact, the fish in the fishbowl on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader are named Darnell and Mike. Presumably after Mike Darnell. Oh, neat.
0: Thank you, random fifth grader from 1985. Who's
1: impressed by those WWF LJN victors?
0: <laughs> Have you wouldn't, seen well,
2: them? They're huge. I
0: was say, wouldn't you be uh, impressed by them?
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you need two hands to carry the legs. Uh, yeah,
1: you got the Hulkster, you got Hillbilly Jim, you got Big John Stud,
2: and you got Cheeky Baby. Don't forget Greg the Hammer, man. You forgot Greg the Hammer Valentine. Don't forget Greg the Hammer Valentine. Yeah, cause
1: that's because you want him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll stick with my SD Jones that I got at an indie show at Hampton Bays in 2016 for five bucks.
2: Good for you. Oh,
1: good for you. Hey, anytime I can make an S.D.
2: Jones reference on this podcast, I'll do it. Episode 5, Rex the Wonder Husband. Diana's con man ex-husband rents out her apartment to Principal Cooper's brother-in-law. Also, Vinny tests reactions to new school mascots by bringing in exotic animals. Brian Robbins makes a return appearance. Playing the role of Rex Swanson... John Bennett Perry. Not known for much. I mean, he is a that guy from that thing. But you would probably know his son. His son is Matthew Perry.
0: Oh! Oh, I thought you were
1: going to say that. Well, you know what? It is thanks to Matthew Perry that we have this podcast in a way. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you have to find the dead guy in that picture. Right, Mike?
0: Yeah, you got to find the dead guy. I never found it. No. Did you? No. Okay.
1: Well, hey, if you're keeping score, that's two straight episodes we've mentioned somebody from Friends.
2: Episode 6, Teacher's Pet. Michael has overwhelming chemistry with a new student, But the situation worsens after Diana learns she's an undercover narcotics agent. Also, Sam sells junkie designer jewelry to earn money for a pair of alligator boots. When did this become an episode of Breaking Bad? Playing the role of the undercover agent Beth Perry is Faye Hauser.
0: The biggest credit I see for her is she played Carrie Warner in Roots the Next Generations.
2: Episode 7, Take the Money and Run. Mr. Batterman wins the $150,000 state lottery and promptly drops dead.
1: Susan, what do you have to say about this?
0: Oh!
2: This leaves Diana in a moral dilemma over what to do with the ticket. Also, Diana realizes Liz is responsible for a rash of school thefts. Playing the role of Purnell Batterman is Arthur Peterson Jr., Who played the major on soap?
0: Yes, he did. He played the the very stoic uh, major on soap. One who never smiled when they took the pictures uh, in the opening credits. Well, he was a military guy, couldn't show his true feelings.
2: Nope, couldn't do it. And playing the role of Liz Palomino is Karen Argood, who is known as Sonia Harper. On the first two seasons of Mama's Family, aka the NBC seasons.
0: And we will be bringing up Mama's Family later on this episode. Stay tuned. Specifically, the uh, NBC run. There might be a connection here.
2: Episode 8 Otherwise Engaged. After Diana meddles in her relationship with the principal, Sherry flaunts her sudden engagement to a handsome, wealthy young man. Meanwhile, Sam diets in hopes of fitting into a bikini that she's had her eye on. Playing that wealthy young man, who I'm looking at his name, that sounds like the name of a wealthy young man. Chad Devereaux III. Playing that role is Michael Lemon, who was a defensive tackle and nose guard, at the University of Kansas in the 70s
0: and he's appeared on two other shows we've previously covered The Master and The Powers of Matthew Starr he's got the trifecta
2: episode 9 Beetle Mania Diana has a whirlwind romance with the substitute but the relationship sours when she learns he's the substitute janitor Play- I'm sorry. Oh that that wasn't till- what I was expecting.
0: Oh, oh my god. Wait gosh. till you
2: find out who plays him. Alright. David Aykroyd. No relation to Dan Aykroyd. But yeah, oh, did we oh, talk
1: about him in Aftermash?
2: Yes we did. He played Dr. Mark Boyer in Aftermash. Also played Jesus in The greatest adventure stories from the Bible. Jesus. Congratulations, Diana, you have a romance with Jesus. Episode 10, Leather and Lace. After the state funding committee cancels the auto shop and nursing classes, Diana goes to the students to disassemble Mr. Cooper's car and reassemble it in the teacher's lounge. Unfortunately, they refuse to reverse the process. Also, Mrs. Darnell eagerly awaits for her pregnancy to be over. Playing the role of Mrs. Darnell, somebody we talked about on our last episode, Edie McClurg.
1: Oh, yes, we did. We did talk about Edie McClurg last time. Oh, my God. That's another future show Hall of Famer right
0: there. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, yes.
2: Episode 11. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Cry if I want to.
0: Cry if you want to?
2: Cry if you want to. Diana hosts a party for her co-workers under false pretenses, hiding the fact that the mayor is to present them an award. To get even with Mr. Cooper for his critique of her outfit, Sherry convinces him that it's a costume party, and a bloated version of Michael's high school crush comes to town. Spud and Scooter have their first fight on their 11th anniversary, and Sam finds love in the elevator when she's trapped with the school board man. Okay, so Jim Klein, who is the mayor, was played by James O'Sullivan. I don't believe he's been in anything of note, but, oh my god, oh my god, and a role as Yolanda Joe Marie Payton.
0: Harriet Winslow. That's all you need, Harriet Winslow. That's it. Yep. It's a shame that Cora Winslow blurbed
1: to Sherman Helmsley that his girlfriend was a stripper because he was going to invite Carl and Harriet to see her perform at the Boom Boom Room.
0: Oh, I I needed our monthly reference to the Boom Boom Room. (laughs) That's why? gonna be so lore, I think.
1: The boom, why, boom, room. Why did Sherman Helmsley think that? <laughs> maybe I can understand Coral, but why would he think Harriet Winslow would be impressed by this? Why?
2: I have no idea. No idea whatsoever.
1: <laughs> and that is a great episode. That's the same episode. Where
2: on Steven Eddie
1: accidentally eat Waldo's cake for Home Mac <laughs> they, they just leave a cake Waldo leaves a cake lying around and Stephen and Eddie are like, ooh, I'm gonna <laughs> Waldo met this ooh, cake. cake. I don't think he's gonna mind if we eat it. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I made a cake for home. Mac. Uh-oh! 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 Hilarity ensues! Yes. You better watch it on HBO Max before they take all family matters away, too.
2: Episode 12. Dead mice don't wear plaid. The school mouse dies while in Diana's care, so Sam replaces it, unaware that Michael was monitoring the rodent's illness. Also, a grouchy repairman works on the school's heater. Playing said repairman, Bill Saluga. But you would know him more as Ray J. Johnson. You can call me Ray, and you can call me Jay, and you can call me Ray J., but you don't have to call me Johnson.
1: I always think of that one Simpsons bit with Krusty has Hugh Hefner. He has Johnny Corson and Bette Midler. What do we have? Ray J. Johnson. Aye, aye, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure we talked about him at some point because we've made reference to that in the past. Problem is I don't see what TV show uh, he may have been on that we talked about. But we definitely mentioned the, the, the whole uh, Ray J. Johnson thing.
2: And finally, episode 13. Loss of Innocence. In a very special episode, Sam devolves into a shell of herself after being mugged. We don't get a look at the perpetrator in this one, so... Sorry. Pretty much all they wrote on that, and frankly, all they wrote on the series. Now, as far as scheduling is concerned, it's a Bit of a interesting story because this was actually first run as a trial run in between runs of new episodes of Love Sydney, which, if I'm not mistaken, would already be on the outs.
0: I think it got sent to Saturday nights at this point, so it, it was essentially a burn off. But yeah, this replaced uh, Love Sydney, and the competition really wasn't that. Uh, Good for this show on Wednesdays at nine thirty. Uh, at least on the first week, uh, it went up against the Fall Guy on ABC, and on CBS, it went up against the second half hour of a two-hour Dukes of Hazard. Uh... Fall Guy and Dukes of Hazard, yeah, that that's a one-two punch right there. But it did get a little bit better. It still uh, competed in later weeks against Fall Guy. But then you had the Wednesday night movie of the week on CBS. The, the, again, the second half hour of a two-hour movie. For season two, it got a slightly different time slot. It went from Wednesday nights to Thursday nights, for starters, following Gimme a Break. That didn't last terribly long. It moved to Saturday nights. At 9.30 again, they love putting this at 9.30 for some reason. On Saturdays, on ABC, it went up against the Love Boat. And again, this is probably about the fifth season, sixth season of Love Boat. So it's sort of waning at this point, kind of, sort of. But on CBS, there was just, again, a movie of the week, a Saturday night movie. This is the second half hour of a two-hour movie.
2: Yeah, and I'm looking at the schedule, what would be on the schedule uh, February, March of 1983 on NBC, you'd have, this would be basically a night for family comedy, Different Strokes, a rerun of Silver Spoons, Mama's Family, and Teachers Only. Which one of these doesn't belong, don't you think?
0: Hmm. Well, I'm going to argue this. Again, it's Saturday night, Let's remember this is Mama's Family's second season before NBC got rid of it and it ended up in syndication. So, Mama's Family maybe is a little bit out there too, just saying, because again, both shows would be gone shortly after moving to Saturday nights. So obviously, different strokes, Silver Spoons still have uh, quite a bit of mileage left, but Mama's Family, it's going to be in syndication uh, shortly after its cancellation on NBC.
2: Uh same could be said for Silver Spoons, uh, but that would be further on down the line. Well, and that'd different... be like
0: eighty seven or so. That, that'd, oh, yeah. be, that'd be a good four years away.
2: And different strokes would just be on another network by the time that show ended.
0: Yeah. That that moved to ABC for the final season in 85 86. Yep.
2: But yeah. And the writing was pretty much on the wall when Teachers Only went up against a two-hour episode of The Love Boat. It was the second most popular show of the night. The first most popular show of the night was the show that it followed, TJ Hooker. It could not get anywhere above a 12. And NBC just thought, Cut their losses and move on. and that's exactly what they did. If I'm not mistaken, they also moved on from Grant Tinker at the end of the se- season too. so because it would be Brandon Tartikoff who came on in 1983 if I'm not mistaken. So Season 2 didn't really much have anything in the way of momentum, and The Love Boat came on and killed what was left of it. To this day, there have been no official home releases, there have been nothing available streaming, but all 21 episodes of the show are available on YouTube unofficially.
0: I'm going to make a little correction, Chico. The entire series was made available for streaming on CTV's website in their throwback section in 2021. Taking a look at the CTV website, for whatever reason, whether it's geo-blocked or if it was taken down, I cannot find it. Well, I I, I
2: I did I did look. It is still there, but it's giving me the black screen that says. We're sorry this content is only available for viewing in Canada. This is where your VPN's going to come to the rescue. If you want to watch Teachers Only on the CTV site. Officially.
0: And really, if you just want to see it, period, it is on YouTube. It looks like somebody ripped all the episodes. But to avoid copyright issues, they did one of those things where they have a giant border around it. Yeah, I find that highly annoying, but that's how you get around copyright issues because, you know, they have ways of seeing the bugs and all that. So go at your own peril. Unfortunately, uh, if you want to see it, it's on YouTube, but it's not in full screen. So if you maximize it, your window's still going to look like it's like 640 by 480. Sorry about that.
2: But yeah, uh, it's uh, pretty much a forgotten gem of a show. Uh, Lynn Redgrave would go on to have a lasting career in the 80s. Norman Fell would go on to become a television legend. Nobody's career was done in by this show. If anything, a couple of careers actually got their start on this show. Gene Smart, Brian Robbins. But in 1982, Teachers Only wanted to be the next great high school sitcom Instead, it was a thing on TV. And I'm looking at the clock on the wall and forgetting what Mike said about the bell doesn't release us, I release us. But I'm going to say it anyway. You can catch all 301 previous installments of our show on itwasathingontv.com. You'll also find our live shows, minisodes, and all sorts of goodies from the last three, almost three years of this podcast. Amazing, isn't it? And of course, you can follow us on all social media at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, who I guess didn't really like our teacher. So he put us at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And of course, if you're on YouTube, please don't forget to like, subscribe, Hit the notification bell. So you can stay up to date on all of our future entries. And also, stay tuned because later this week, Greg and I are going back in the booth for another live watch. Yeah, because, hey, in two days... Back to school week ain't over, friends!
1: Yeah, in two days, it's actually, well... As we're recording this, tomorrow is week zero of college football. But next week, it's officially going to be week one of the 2022 NCAA football season.
2: Yep. But all across America, high school football is in full swing. And what says high school football more than the Friday Night Lights? Am I right?
1: Oh, yes
0: wink
2: wink that's all I'm gonna say about that subject
0: well good we'll talk about what's gonna come up next week then
2: yep next week we celebrate for the first time on this podcast Star Trek Day
1: yes it is the 56th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek coming up and to celebrate we're talking about something that we've discussed a couple of times on this podcast the direct sequel to the original series
2: what would have been seasons four and five of the original series
0: yes but also we're gonna start the nfl season very shortly i think this uh uh, next episode is actually going to be that thursday night kickoff night yeah who is playing in the third
1: it's gotta be the rams in the kickoff right It is, uh, yeah, Rams against Buffalo is the opener. By the
2: way, as we record this, the Bills are getting absolutely hammered by the Panthers right now.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything.
2: No, because this is not football. It's not real football. It's preseason football. It's It's free football. It's fake football.
0: So getting back to uh, the show that we're talking about next week, This is one I think Greg has stuff to say about. I think we all do, but I think Greg has a lot of stuff to say about this. Yeah,
1: so what happens in 2010 when you get the two biggest wide receivers of the 2000s on one team and you give them a TV show together? Well, I got one thing to say. Hilarity ensues. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say child, please.
1: Oh, yeah, that too, child, please, considering who was on this. Yeah.
0: But also, next week, we have another live show. And we did this probably about, what, six months ago or so? A few months ago. And we had a lot of fun with it. And Greg's giving us a second serving of it. Yes. He found something that, that's worthy of doing a second live show on this
2: topic.
1: Yes. So once again, next week, we will be returning to the world of beyond belief, fact or fiction. And once again, Mike and Chico will ask themselves, is what they're seeing fact or fiction?
2: And That's coming up next week right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to each other and we will see you for the next one. Wow!
0: Class dismissed, guys.
1: Oh, thank heavens.
2: Oh, thank heavens.
0: Oh, you two were both sleeping on your cell phones all period. Don't give me that stuff. No, you're right about that.
2: Well, uh, he's right, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's why I'm the teacher. Yeah, uh, well, that's... Yeah.